Uh, just got done with a mentoring session and it was actually a really good mentoring session. So I want to share that with everyone here and, and talk about this. Communication. Is it a one-way road or is it a two-way road? Communication is a two-way road. In order to communicate, you have to have what? You have to have two things. In order to communicate, you have to have a speaker and you have to have a listener. You cannot officially communicate if you don't have those two things. Because if you're talking and no one's listening, you are not communicating. You have to have someone take your information in, understand it, and then be able to process it back to you for fully understanding, which then equals proper communication. So why is it in the business world, people at top tell the people down below what to do, and the people down below make it happen? Why is it it's only flowing down and it's not a perfect circle? Why is that? Why is it in business we fail the most basics of communication? I've never understood that. I, I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't understand it when I was younger. As I got older, I knew something was wrong. And as I've gotten older, older, now I went, oh, got it. Now I understand what the problem is. And the problem is there's no communication going backwards. I think back to my Home Depot days. So when I was in college, I had to have a whole bunch of night jobs because I went to school during the day. And so I worked at Home Depot for one of them. And you had the store manager. Then you had... I'm going to say assistant managers, they call them key carriers. Uh, and there was like three or four people that overlooked all the different departments. Then you had department heads and then you had the people in the department. And that's how Home Depot set the structure up. Why well, was just one of the guys in an apartment. Now, this really has nothing to do with it, but I'm going to share it with you just because I find it hilarious. I worked in the plumbing department. Now, when you go to Home Depot, you're excited you're going to add value to your home. You're going to add value to something. You're pumped. You go to the gardens, you put a little plant. It looks pretty. Your house looks pretty. You're pumped. You go to the hardware section, you're buying a tool. It's awesome. Strong tools. You know, you put in a new uh, hardware set. You got new, you know, uh, locks for your house. Something's up. Something is on the positive. You go over and, you know, the hardware or the fencing, you put a new fence up. It's going to look beautiful. You go to the plumbing department because something broke and you're pissed off. Think about it. Have you ever gone to the plumbing department and you were happy? No, it's because something broke, something wore out, you have to replace something. The plumbing department is miserable. Every other department in Home Depot is fun, except for the plumbing department. So, I'm in the plumbing department, and people would bring me this broken, rusted, destroyed item and say, where is this? And then I'd have to play CSI and try and figure out what that part was. And then bring them there and say, okay, now here's the different 10 variations of what it could be based on what year your house was made. And they go, my house was built in 54. And I'm like, I, I don't know that answer. I just know it's one of these pieces. And they used to get so upset with me. So I'd go back to my key carriers and then my store manager and say, hey, can you teach me what you know uh, type of building codes there were and what they did in each era so I can kind of guide them better? And they said, no, just have them buy one of everything and return the ones they don't use or don't work. And that's literally the Home Depot way. That's what they said. If you had a, you know, a stopgap, you would actually go buy all eight of them, find the one that actually worked at your house, and then return the seven of them. That's what they told us, instructed us to tell our customers. And no matter how much I asked for information, they just told me what to do, and then that was it. Communication only flowed down. and never came back up. And so as I left there, I went, that is a horrible business model. I don't want to be a part of that. I get the hierarchy. That was not so bad. But the fact that nobody communicated. So then I go to my next job, which was the accounting firm. And they had no on-the-site training. They said, here, program this information. And you knew accounting because you went to school for it. But using their software, understanding their culture, 
there was no training whatsoever. So you're left in the dark. So I started asking questions. They were getting upset because I was asking questions. Well, I need communication. I need you guys to teach me something. I need to listen and then f march in the correct order that you was there. So when I came to the sign company, we pretty much just had one guy in charge, which was my dad at the time. And then everybody else was underneath him. That's not exactly a good flow either. So everybody went to one person. So what we wanted to do here at the sign company when we changed it and changed the culture up was have communication go around in a circle where we actually know what's going on. So we started putting project managers in place. And so the guys in the shop could talk to the project managers and the project manager could talk to the sales reps and we could have this communication going back and forth. And that was a good start. But what we really needed to do in the end of the day was interview the guys actually building the signs and interview the installers. How'd the day go? What's happening? Well, that's difficult to do. Every day you're going to wait around until the trucks come back in so you can interview the installers. You're going to keep poking your head out of the office waiting for the painter to not be in the paint booth so you can interview them what's going on. It was difficult to get communication happening. So we had to put some policies in place. And I'm hoping that you guys have some of these policies already and this is not new. And if this is new, please implement this immediately because this is going to add to your bottom line so much. And it's not only going to add to the bottom line in the way of dollars, it's going to add to the bottom line in the way of value of your employees feel about working there and the pride they have for working for your company. And that's just as important right now, especially with the labor pool being as painful as they are. We don't have any good employees right now, no good labor guys, because nobody feels value anymore. So why work? So we got to add value back. And one of the ways to do it was have a communication tool in place. So we started putting notes inside of our software. We started putting a note section that says, Hey, when the job's done, tell us, uh, paint went on funny paint went on spotty installer. Uh, the, ins the client ended up being a plant mover. One of them, <laughs> it's one of my favorite ones, a plant mover. Ah, uh, the plant looks good over here. No, no, no. Over by the couch. No, no, no. Maybe on top of the shelf. No, no, no. Maybe on the ground in the corner. And they keep moving this plan around and they never get anything accomplished. I feel some of our uh, clients are the same way. You know, they look at the sign, they go, it should be over there, should be to the left, same as the door height, lower than the door height, and they're moving this sign all over the place. Meanwhile, our installers are ready to pull their hair out because they just want to get the job done. But they would write back in those notes, clients a plant mover, please help um, add extra time for this project. Try and uh, have this client not be on site when we go to do the install. You know, they would give us notes and they give us feedback of what's going on. So the next time we worked with that client, the sales rep would know how to handle them. We started to get feedback from, and then I hate to say that, but one of the biggest things we got feedback on from the guys in the shop was, well, you've been sending out, you've been calling out eighth inch aluminum this whole time. And we use 090. So if you guys actually change that call out, that'd be great. We've been calling that out on our drawings for four years and they never corrected us. Why? Because we never asked. We never had that communication going back and forth to the point that we could understand that our drawings need to be accurate. So now they can go in the notes and say, we used 090 aluminum instead. We used eighth inch instead of 063. And they can explain to us what they actually built and then tell us why. We used eighth inch aluminum because we had a scrap piece left or we have to buy anything. Perfect. No problem. It's a one-off. All is good. Or we use this because structurally it wasn't sound. It was going to get ripples or wrinkles in it. Great. You understood it we'll make the change. But we started to be able to communicate back and forth. Think of it if you guys are in a relationship and your significant other. Think of your significant other is mute. They can't sign language. They can't do anything. They just cannot communicate to you. 
How frustrating would that relationship be? But yet we're doing that in business all the time. We're doing that every time we go into some work. We take their information. We do the best we can with it. We produce a product. We move on. We don't ask for feedback. We don't explain our situations. That is one of the most fundamental things in our world that we keep overlooking. So you as an owner, what are you doing to help with this communication? What tools can you do to provide? Well, one we talked about in the software, how do you notes so they can put notes in there so we don't have to actually stop what their day is and you know have a verbal conversation with them, which we might forget that verbal cues, but at least have it written down and be talking about it. The other thing we can do is quarterly interviews. Now, you have all your set projects that you're going through right now. Fine, simple, great. But overall, there's going to be a theme. Overall, this employee is going to be cranky. This employee is going to be happy. This employee is going to have a lot of pride. And that's based on their environment and their surrounding environment, what's going on around them. Have you asked them what's their best environment for them to excel the most in? I don't do quarterly meetings because... I have no good excuse. I should be doing quarterly meetings. I do half yearly meetings and I will pull people aside and talk to them. Should I be doing quarterly meetings? 100% I should. And that's something where I need to be more disciplined and talk to my team more. So every three months I sit them down and say, how's it going? What can I do to make your job better? What can I do to make you more productive? What can I do to make you happier? Those are all really good questions. And if they take the time to think about it and give you feedback, you're going to make your company run a lot smoother. At a minimum, are you doing yearly interviews? At a minimum, bare minimum, basics 101, a yearly interview. We're just flat out asking them to have your team grade you. Because if you're not doing that, you're just, you're not communicating. It's just a one-way street. It's not working out for you. I remember the first time we tried to do this, the yearly meetings was 2004, 2005. And we brought everybody in one at a time and asked them how they're doing, what's going on. And I remember the look, a just deadpan look of, am I getting fired? And I said, no, 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 you're not getting fired. I just want to ask you some questions. And they would give one word answers. And they thought the faster they got out of there, the less chance they have of getting fired. So our yearly, our yearly interviews with all of our team was, went horribly. Nobody appreciated knowing what's going on. So a year later, we did the same thing again and asked them. And this time they went, oh, I'm not getting fired. They legitly want to know what I think of the company. So they started to give information. But again, they were afraid to stick their neck out there for fear they might get fired. So it was a little bit better. Now as ownership, we got frustrated. This is not working. This is not instilling more confidence in our team. Maybe this is a bad idea. But we stuck with it. We stuck with our discipline of doing it every year. So by 2007 hit, they actually started to give us feedback. They actually started to say, you know, it'd be nice if it did this. You know, we don't really have any of these. If you had these, we'd go a lot faster. And they started to give us really information. They were comfortable enough. Now, if you notice in that story, that took us three years for three interviews. What if we had done it quarterly? Inside of the first year alone, we would have gotten all that information and we would have excelled for those two years versus dragging. Sometimes if it doesn't work right off the bat, you got to think about the outside environment. They might be too scared. They might be thinking they're getting fired. But in all honesty, you're trying to look for feedback. You're trying to get communication coming from the bottom back up to understand how good of a job we're doing as a team on the top. 
I would, it, there was a business model that was given around and it was very, very popular probably about two or three decades ago. Well, they take the pyramid and they go, here's the boss. And then it filters down. Here's all the workers at the bottom. And they flipped it upside down. The most important people are the workers on top. And the boss at the bottom, he's the least important person. And you guys are the most important people. And you need to tell your managers above you what you need to be successful. Now, that business model didn't take a lot of, uh, it didn't take off. It didn't do very well. For some of the companies that really harnessed it, it did very well. But they had to put a lot of time and effort into it. But the theme, the, the thesis of that thought process of the upside down pyramid was very accurate. The employees that are on the bottom that are actually producing the work, they're actually the most important in your company. They're the ones that are actually making the quality product. They're the ones actually interfacing with the client at the end. They're the ones that are actually making our promises turn into reality. Why are you not talking to them more to figure out what they need to be successful? And that old weird communication is a two-way street. It's easy in a relationship to understand it. It's easy when you're trying to talk to your waiter or waitress and tell them what they need and they're giving you options. But when it comes to business, for some other reason, we lack this simple fundamental. It's things to think about. 